The Electric Rodeo is an adult toy megastore podcast about sex, toys, pleasure and relationships. It contains adult themes, adult language and probably too much information about our sex lives. Sorry, Sorry Mum. <laughs> Kia ora everyone, welcome back to The Electric Rodeo. I'm your host, Emmy Hewitt. And I'm involuntarily peeing myself with excitement about this episode. <laughs> Touch ball. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. And very shortly, everyone's going to know why you're pissing your pants. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to hear about when I did it previously. (laughs) So it's already episode seven, which is wild. Crazy. It's been a crazy time. Yeah. How you going? What's been going on? Doesn't time fly when you're busy trying to knock a whole bunch of shit off your bucket list? (laughs) Yeah, it does feel like that. I'm in a bit of a dry spell with the bucket list stuff at the moment. Mm. Just got a lot going on and it's winter. People have been sick. I get Mm. sick and then my partner gets sick five days later. So have not been making as much progress I want. I still have been having sex, so I can't really complain. But I I need to, you know, get get on to it. Yeah. Next time, I promise. I'm I'll- feeling a bit the same. I feel like we've been talking about a few of my items already. And yeah. like, other than getting into the magic, mm. which is like super fun, uh, my favorite thus far, yes. um, nothing else. <laughs> okay. So is your life more magical at least since we recorded the episode? I think so. Oh. And we're like working, we, it's always me and Jay, but we're working hard to like make <laughs> things like magical and like checking in to make sure each other are doing magical shit, you know, yeah. which has been very fun. And I've been just feeling good. Like I feel a bit lighter than maybe where I was at a couple of months ago, which is nice as well. And I'm just, maybe I'm making it up, but I'm correlating the two it's the magic in my head but that's what I think it is I think it's the magic I think so I think that that's a fair guess Um, and it was such an enlightening episode it was so nice having Vixen in chatting to her learning lots I feel a little bit more magical and lighter I must say so I'm with you you were proper into it I'm like this is going on her bucket list when she does an update (laughs) for sure my bucket list is double my bucket list is just starting to replicate (laughs) your bucket list but that's fine I feel like by the end of the season mine will be replicating yours as well one big bucket list we might as well just start taking them off together yeah 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 i agree <laughs> season four we just swap bucket lists <laughs> oh now there's an idea not a bad idea mm. so on that note this one this episode mm. is my opinion the most important one of the season yes, for our agree. listeners so if you're going to pay attention to any of them this is the one okay thank you so much so this episode we are talking about the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Dum, dum, dum. I have that? one. You have one. Everybody has one. It's very Oprah up in here, but <laughs> it's true. And I think that unfortunately we tend to only hear about our pelvic floor and what they do and the importance of them in relation to being pregnant or following having a baby. And yeah. that's obviously a very important time for you to be educated and to know about it. But you also need to understand how it works for the rest of your life in general. Well, and we're talking to all genders. Exactly. This is what I was about to say. Those two things are something that's experienced specifically by AFAB mm. people, whereas everyone has a pelvic floor. So I think there's going to be some key takeaways for everyone. And I'm excited to get a bit more educated and for our listeners to get a bit more educated. Yeah, me too. So we've got a really amazing pelvic floor physiotherapist coming in today. Her name is Caitlin Friss. 
She is based in Auckland in Aotearoa and she is just like a wealth of knowledge on this topic. So it's super exciting. But we have both had our own very different experiences with our own pelvic floors. So Tash, you go first. Tell us the tale of your pelvic floor. Delightful. (laughs) Well, if anyone has listened to my episode... Season two, Good Vibes with Tash Ball. My debut episode. Tune in now if you haven't. Tune in now if you haven't. It's a great episode if I do say so myself. I touched very briefly on my use of Kegel balls um, Mm. and why, but to go in a bit more detail, essentially I've actually, I think from the point of starting puberty, I've actually had a weaker pelvic floor. Like Mm. the funny thing is I would always say I have a weak bladder, but I I don't think that's the case because it first started like on trampolines. I don't know. I used to chalk it up as like getting really excited. But to be honest, like there just kind of became a period in my life as I went through puberty that I realized when I would jump on trampolines, I would I would start like peeing a little yeah, bit right, um, right. every time I bounced and I didn't really understand why. Um, so I think I kind of avoided trampolines for a little bit. We went mm. on them a lot because we had our cousins and our childhood like family friends had trampolines. But then kind of later stage uh, life, I have not been on them as much. And then that was an isolated thing that obviously went away. I wasn't really going on trampolines as much. And then kind of coming into being a young adult, uh, I was indulging in an activity which resulted in me coughing often. And it was something I would cough a lot most days. (laughs) Sucking dick or... (laughs) (laughs) Emma. Sorry. (laughs) And yeah, when I would cough, I would, again, just like pee myself a little bit. And it was always just like a little bit, Mm. um, but very frustrating, not very fun. (laughs) <laughs> it's happened so much that like George calls me pussy pants. Oh, <laughs> so No, it's it's quite funny because it became a meme in our whole flat with our <laughs> friends. So like sometimes I'll cough and I go, oh no, and then you go, oh, do pussy pants? <laughs> I'm like, shut up. Yeah, and then I started working at ATMS and ha- you know learning stuff, having all the correct conversations, and realized that it might be a pelvic floor issue. Mm. So I got myself some over L1 Kegel balls, Cute. but I started using that honestly not super frequently. Literally just like maybe once or twice on the weekend when I'd be doing my laundry or something and it was such an instantaneous change like I think I used them maybe twice and then the next time like I had a coughing fit and I was like oh my god so I always sing Kegel Balls praises I'm definitely interested to know if there's kind of other stuff I could be doing I know about you know pelvic floor exercises Mm -hmm. like the people you see on TikTok and I like to do (laughs) the little like squeezes uh, in time with the music but yeah I just for me it was like a relatively quick fix once I started using Mm. those and every now and then sometimes I'll have a coughing fit and it'll happen again and then I'll go cool just time to use my Kegel Balls and then maybe I'll use them like a couple times within a couple weeks and then so you don't do that you don't do it frequently then you're not like no daily no um at first I was doing it daily for like a couple days and yeah. then I went out to weekly and then I've been lazy and I don't do it super frequently oh wow yeah so I yeah I guess I'm quite lucky in that regard but yeah if you ever catch me at like the events or expos we do I'm always singing the praises of the key yeah, walls because yeah. for me it was a bit it was it was an annoyingly big deal like uh, you mm. know there are certain things I didn't want to do of especially course. as a child a life without trampolines oh, what kind of life is that what a sad life yeah um so so yeah, no, I'm very happy. But what about you? Very different Yeah, story. totally different situation, <laughs> eh? Less peeing yourself involved in your one, so <laughs> yeah. a little bit more dignity left there for you. Oh, yeah, maybe. My situation was <laughs> kind of the first thing that I noticed was like basically what I thought was happening was I was getting frequent UTIs. I was getting just like a lot of pretty intense pelvic pain, stinging while I was peeing, all of the kind of classic stuff. And 
at first I was like, oh, this is kind of annoying. Like it seems to be happening more and more often. This is like years and years ago now and didn't really think too much of it. And of it. And then it started to happen like a lot. Like I would say at least once a month I was having it. And it writes Wild. you off for like a couple of days at a time. You two, I suck. They're, it's horrendous. I've only had like three in my life and that is enough. The pain is just diabolical and you know around the same time I started having quite painful intercourse as well so Mm. I started to feel heaps of pain and my partner was saying like yeah your muscles are feeling tight and I was like yeah it's because in my head I'm like it's gonna hurt so you know like you your body will naturally just uh, tense up and contract and then started going to the doctor a lot and you know they were doing some tests for UTIs they never found anything but I was taking antibiotics anyway because they just assumed that that's what it was So this was like probably four years of going on antibiotics pretty frequently. And I was just like, surely this is not it. Like you've never found anything. There's never been any infection to cause the pain or anything. And so I just started doing my own research. And, you know, it was around the time that I was learning a bit more. Like I was starting to, I don't think I was training to be a sex educator yet, but before I did formal training, I was doing a lot of like self-taught. And so I started to kind of look into things and eventually went and saw a pelvic health physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. Um, which is the the person, well, not the person we're talking to today, but with the same occupation yeah. as who we're talking to today. And they actually told me that what they think that I had was, in fact, a really hyperactive pelvic floor, mm. which was actually clenched all the time. And because everything in the pelvic region is so connected, it means that because my muscles were constantly contracting, they were putting pressure on my bladder. So that's uh, what was causing the UTI symptoms. Okay. So the pain. So they weren't actually UTIs? No. So the pain and the irritation was from the pressure that my muscles were putting onto my bladder. Right. And then the pain from sex is because my muscles were completely contracted all the time. Yeah. And then also, but that can cause the same thing. So because your muscles are completely clenched all the time, it can cause a weakened pelvic floor. Because in order to contract and strengthen properly, you have to also be able to release properly. Yeah. And I couldn't release. So when I went to get checked out, she was like, yeah, you, we need to like do relaxation exercises, which mm. is a lot of breathing work. Right. And have you seen much of a change? Life-changing. Wow. So every now and then I will still get some of those similar, what I call UTI symptoms. So every now and then I'll get a little bit of like pain and irritation. Mm. But that's generally if I go for a while without doing my breathing exercises yeah. or if I drink a lot of sparkling wine which I am quite prone to drinking a lot of Um, and it's just bad for your bladder yeah it's bad (laughs) for your bladder so if I'm kind of doing those two things in unison so not doing my exercises and drinking too much uh, then I can have problems again but yeah so it has worked and this is why I was like this is just such an important conversation to have yeah because People, like you said, you didn't really think about it when you were younger. You thought it was a bladder thing. I thought it was a UTI thing for years. And it takes actually seeking out this knowledge to find it because we're not told this anywhere else. So I'm sure that all of our listeners like have their own little stories or, you know, irritations or things that they haven't understood are actually connected to the pelvic floor as well. (laughs) 
today on the podcast, we are so, so excited to have Caitlin Frist, the vagina physio, with us. This is a topic that is very dear to my heart and also to Tasha's as well. So we've both gone through our own little pelvic floor journey. pelvic floor experience and education in the last couple of years. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. We're super, super excited. My pleasure. Excited to be here. So let's start with a bit of background about you. So who are you and what do you do? So I'm Caitlin Friss and I'm a pelvic health or a pelvic floor physio. So we work specifically with a layer of muscles inside the pelvis that give us control over our bladder and bowels, but also sexual function. So I work mainly in the pre and postnatal population at the moment, Mm -hmm. but I also do see other populations like people with painful sex or painful periods, so like endometriosis and stuff like that. Like the other day, I saw someone who wanted to have pain-free anal sex, so it can be sort of a pain sex thing for people with penises too. So yeah, within pelvic floor physio, quite a niche physio, but you can kind of even specialize further into different groups. Yeah, I feel like everything I hear about it is just like this new stuff all the time that I maybe haven't considered before. It seems like it actually is a very like vast space to be working (laughs) in. So your name on social media is The Vagina Physio, which I love. And where did that name come from? Uh, well, there's just like no beating around the bush. Excuse the pun. <laughs> yes. um, so, um, it was basically I just started it because I was kind of talking to my friends about all of the stuff that I was learning in my postgrad, mm-hmm. and they were all like had no idea about how the floor and bladder stuff and bowel stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just start a page and see if how that goes. And they would introduce me as a vagina physio to their friends. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Do you ever run into issues on Instagram because you've got vagina in your title? Not really. Oh, no. I mean, I like mean occasionally I get like a someone in, you know, Egypt or something, that, but I just block them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Very that much. takes offence to the name or? No, like a CD per, Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, no. So, I mean, let's talk about the public floor and why it's so important. Can you talk us through exactly what it is and what it does. I'm wary that this is a podcast, so I'll, I, I usually get the model of the pelvis out. And oh, we'd, we'd we're love recording. to see it. Please. Okay, cool. So here's your, here's your pelvis. So this is the pubic bone at the front, or like kind of, you know, where Michael Jackson grabs. Um, <laughs> and then that's, these are your hip bones where you kind of rest your hands where you, when you're grumpy. Mm-hmm. And then the spine is at the back, and the sacrum is that bony sort of V-shaped plate. Oh. And then the tailbone or the coccyx is right down the bottom there. So your pelvis is a bony ring, but you don't have any bone at the bottom. So you mm. need something to hold everything up inside of you. So that's one of the roles of the pelvic floor, which is all that red stuff down the bottom there. It kind of makes a hammock or a sort of diamond shape-ish muscle right at the base of the pelvis. And it has four main roles. So it gives us continence, so stops leakage of urine and feces when we laugh, run, sneeze. It gives us sexual function, so it plays a role in sensation um, and also in orgasm and also usually plays quite a big role if there's pain during sex. It gives us stability to our low back, hip and pelvic joints and it holds everything up inside of us. So we have our three pelvic organs attached to our three passages. So at the front is the urethra or the urine tube Mm -hmm. and then behind that is the vagina and then behind that is the anus. So people with a penis, it's it's pretty much exactly the same anatomy, just minus a hole. Yeah. Like we all have (laughs) pelvic So the bladder sits at the front of the pelvis, just to give you an idea of how it works as a support structure. Mm -hmm. And then this is the uterus and the ovaries at the side there, those Mm -hmm. red bits. And then the vagina is behind that. And then the rectum or the back passage 
bits like that. So all quite closely packed yes, and is. resting right on the pelvic floor. Yeah. So really just showing how it supports everything and how it's really rare to have an issue with like painful sex and not have any issues with like your bladder or bowel or back uh-huh. or anything like that. So it's all because it's all so closely related. So yeah, that's the pelvic floor. For people who are assigned male at birth, like you touched on that you do see men as well, like what kind of a ratio split would it be and what sort of kind of more specific things to them do you help with? Mostly because I've got young kids and my business partner, sorry, who also is a physio, has babies as well. Mm. I think we just kind of attract the like pregnancy and postnatal population Mm -hmm. as our main clientele. But people assigned male at birth will find me somehow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe through urologists or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, their friends talking about it. Yeah. So very small percentage. But I know that other pelvic floor physios will have quite a big referral stream from urologists in particular. Right. Yeah. um, work with like the bladder and the urethra and the penis and stuff like that so they'll see more it's just kind of who you sort of target your your marketing Mm, makes sense well I mean that's good that they're still coming forward despite the vagina and the name although I suppose that's not actually in the business name yeah so yeah yeah, we were quite we were quite careful about not being like female vagina specific so yeah yeah good business practice yeah I know that you also teach like yoga classes and pilates and bar as well what role does that play in pelvic floor health? Most pelvic floor dysfunctions, the pelvic floor will be quite affected by the form of exercise you might do. Mm. So if you are overloading the pelvic floor quite a lot over time with things like high impact exercise, so like running or jumping yeah, okay. or lifting really heavy weights or doing a lot of excessive core strengthening, mm. that can actually have a detrimental effect on our pelvic floor. It can do one of two things, really. It can actually make your pelvic floor weaker over time just from the pressure and over and over again on the structure or it could actually train without you really knowing it you're kind of training that muscle to switch on and be overactive or contracted all the time and that Mm. often presents as pain so pain with penetrative sex Mm -hmm. or pain with a tampon or pap smears or even like bladder leakage can be actually from an overactive pelvic floor even though it's mimicking a weak pelvic floor right yeah so we wanted to provide um, a place where our clients could kind of come when they were pregnant and do some pregnancy classes and then when they were after they had their baby bring their baby belong to our postnatal classes oh, and then be cute. able to work their way up through the like to the more challenging dynamic right right yeah and we also just because we're physios and we're very passionate about exercise we just know that like you know strength training is really important for you know postmenopausal or older people for mm. bone health so we just wanted to provide a place that we could give people our knowledge basically to the masses yeah that's so cool because yeah. I I like to exercise quite a lot but I've had issues with an overactive pelvic floor. And so I've been kind of working through that and trying to do the best things that I can for my body. But I was recently wanting to start running. And then I read that it's not very good for it. And I was like, oh, shit. Mm. Like, yeah. So I do Pilates and I do yoga. So I was like, okay, I'm doing some of the good stuff at least. But I was like, damn it, I want to get running. Yeah, but like, it's really individualized. Some people like, particularly when I react to pelvic floor, like if it's going to calm your brain down, that can have actually a positive effect on our pelvic floor. Because if we're just stressed all the time, exercising, you know. (laughs) We got everything. Yeah, Yeah, so it's about figuring out which, which, you know, balancing it all out, I think. There we go. There we go. There we go. Oh, now I'm going to have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) So unfortunately, I think that – 
our education around kind of pelvic floor health in Aotearoa and probably globally, actually, it's very reactive. So this isn't something that I knew a lot about. And I've been finding that, that kind of anecdotally through friends and family as well, that you kind of don't have an opportunity to learn about what is good for your body and what's not good for your body and what could be causing issues until you're already maybe struggling with something. How do you think that we can kind of provide better education around pelvic floor health at like a societal level? Yeah, so interestingly over in the UK, they just made like a big in-depth investigation into have you heard of vaginal mesh to help fix yes. a surgical prolapse? Yeah. yeah. So it's basically a, a surgery that they do for vaginal prolapse, which is when one or more of the vaginal walls have stretched and, and the pelvic organs are dropping into right. the vagina, quite uncomfortable. Right. Um, and so historically, they were just putting pieces of mesh in and, and holding everything up, which is kind of what they do for like a hernia repair. A lot of the time it works quite well, but for about 10% of people, they get really, really bad side effects like chronic pain and bladder issues and bowel and it can be really really pretty horrible and you can't really take it's really hard to get the mesh out yes so in the UK the NHS looked into why this was happening and what they can do better and in that report it's called the Cumberledge report which is came out in 2020 I think they basically advise that pelvic floor health or the education around it should start in school yes and it should be funded all that education Mm -hmm. at the bare minimum it should be at school and then also taught to people in their antenatal classes and then there should be funded care after birth and then I think in that same report they also said that uh, there should be some funding around the menopausal years as well because it's kind of go downhill after that so we know that you know it's research backed that we should start caring and looking after and having a bit of knowledge about our pelvic floor when we're at school going through those like pretty formative pubescent years it makes Um, so much sense yeah so I think there's probably a way that that we can have some funding to you know add it to the health class at school you know is there any government funded type like for this type of care in Aotearoa it, there was a, it was a really exciting time last year in the pelvic floor world where ACC started to cover birth injuries where oh, historically wow. they hadn't. Wild. So as of first of October 2022, any births that happen on that date onwards, there is a list of injuries that ACC will cover, which is oh, wow. the majority of them. It doesn't cover all of them, which we're not quite there yet. Still something to work yeah, towards. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a big help to women and birthing people in Aotearoa. It's like a step forward to health equity, Mm. but there's still a bit to go. There is also pelvic floor physios in every DHB in around the Motu. So, you know, you can get referred to one of the physios Mm. through your public hospital. It just depends on, you know, postcode lottery, DHB, how um, long the wait list is and also whether you're you know, condition warrants a referral. So some people might not, might mm. be declined because they're not bad enough or something, which is right. Weird. So yeah, there's help out there. There's funded help out there, but I think there's always so much more that we can do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that healthcare practitioners like in general have enough knowledge around pelvic floor health to identify some of the issues? So personally, I struggled with what I thought was recurrent UTIs for years like probably like eight years and I was going to the doctor pretty frequently about them for about four of those years 
They never found any kind of infection, but I was constantly put on antibiotics to try and treat something that it turns out wasn't there. So it wasn't until I did a bit more research and just decided I was going to see a pelvic health physio myself that we figured out that it was probably actually caused from the hypertonic muscles, you know, pressing on the bladder and causing irritation and pain. So I was just like, oh man, I've been taking antibiotics for four years without really needing to be. And I'm sure I can't be the only person that that is happening to. Have you heard stories similar to this? Look, I think I, I don't want to, you know, be GP bashing because th- th- there's so many great ones out there yeah, and they yeah. have such a hard job. They need to know everything. so yeah. much about <laughs> so everything in your body. Yeah. But it also depends on their interest and their experience as well. So, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but like older men GPs probably don't pick up on sort of subtle things that like a younger female might That's who tell I'm them, saying. you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I have heard some pretty like terrible advice for, about, particularly about painful sex, from yeah. my LGPs come through from my clients. But but there are also really awesome and onto it and great ones out there. So if you're not happy with or you're not getting anywhere, mm. my suggestion would be to go to another GP. Very good advice. <laughs> so what should we be doing to look after our pelvic floors? Obviously, Kegel balls are one that kind of gets thrown out a lot, and it seems to be kind of a you know, general helps with everything, but that probably isn't the case, I imagine. No. So, I mean, Kegel balls are a funny one because I very rarely suggest them. Really? Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm so surprised. The research, shows, <laughs> the research shows that actually just sitting there and doing your pelvic floor exercises, like your contractions, mm. is just as beneficial as using one of those devices. Right. And for a lot of people, mm. um, particularly in the population that I work a lot with in the postnatal period, it's, you know, just putting, like taking pants off, putting to put something in your vagina is actually quite a big barrier to doing yeah. these exercises. True. You know, it's all about your kind of personality. So if someone likes, you know, a physical thing that they can get feedback from, if mm-hmm. they like that visual biofeedback on their phone when, yeah. you're, when you're, you know, um, playing the game with yeah, yeah, you got the app. <laughs> um, then absolutely go for it. My only suggestion would be to see a pelvic floor physio first, because for with a lot of those devices, they can pick up a false positive contraction. So, i.e., you could be actually bearing down on the oh, pelvic floor right. rather than lifting up, and that registers the device registers that as a positive contraction. And if you actually do that over time, it will make your pelvic floor weaker and worse. Oh, shit. Um, Interesting. So I. I recommend a pelvic floor check to, to make sure that you're doing it correctly because about 30% of people with vaginas think that they're squeezing their pelvic floor but they're doing something different right. and about 50 percent of those people are actually bearing down on their pelvic floor rather than lifting up oh. so it's actually probably kind of cheaper to like get a pelvic floor assessment rather than spending 300 400 bucks yeah. on some internal devices and actually end up making it worse over time. Yeah, <laughs> we are learning so much yeah, today. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, is there any everyday things that we should be mindful of or avoiding for the care of our pelvic floors? One of the things that can make pelvic floor a pelvic floor weaker or worse over time is constipation. So oh. good bowel health is really important. We okay. spend a lot of time in, in most of our appointments talking about bowel emptying, constipation, avoiding straining, all of that, because that can make a big difference to oh. any other symptoms like painful sex or prolapse yeah, right. or bladder leakage even. So number one, if you come in and see one of us about your bladder urgency or bladder leakage, don't be surprised if we focus a lot on your bowels on that first appointment because that will often make a whole lot of things better. Um, So yeah, constipation, making sure that you are doing the pelvic floor exercises correctly if you do need to be doing them. So Mm. again, like I kind of touched on before, if if you have an actual overactive pelvic floor and you think, oh, I need to be squeezing it and strengthening it, if you actually just work on squeezing and 
contracting and strengthening it can again make your pain or yeah UTI symptoms or mm. bladder issues worse so making sure that you're doing it correctly is, is a really important thing and the only way to really know how to do that is to have an assessment with one of us so yeah and then there's lots of other stuff that we go into individualized advice for clients and, and we sure. tailor it to their problem so lots of other things that we talk about yeah cool mm. Are you finding it's really hard to sit here talking about this without squeezing your pelvic floor? Yes. I, I'm sure maybe you probably don't have the same issue because it's something you do every day, but I'm literally sitting here like, am I doing the right yeah, thing? Yeah, same. I was like, am I pulling up or am I pushing down? <laughs> oh, that's it. so true. Yeah, I, I love it that we're all thinking about our vaginas. I know. Yes. Well, that's what we want on a podcast like this anyway. Yes. So. We only yeah. come in here to think about our vaginas yeah. and nothing else. So the pelvic floor plays a bit in sexual functioning. Can you talk to us about about that please in people with the vagina the the lower third of the vagina so the vagina is the tube that goes from the uterus or the cervix to the outside world mm. we have most of our sensation uh, <laughs> like <laughs> the least sexy way you can explain a vagina <laughs> the, a tube. the party's um, on <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and the lower third of the vagina is where we get most of our sensation so above that we actually don't have much in terms mm. of nerve endings but the majority of that is from because that's where our pelvic floor muscles wrap around and they provide sort of tension and support and a lot of sensation as well we've got a few layers of our pelvic floor the deeper ones provide sensation and then the ones that are sort of closest to the entrance of the vagina if I show you the model so that's the clitoris the yellow well the clitoral head there and then the urethra or the urine tube is there the vagina and then the anus here mm. So you can kind of see that there's this perineal layer of muscle, which is sort of closest to the entrance of the vagina. And then you can see this deeper layer here. They're called the levators. These are mostly here for continence and support mm. and control, but they do play a role in sexual sensation. But the perineal layer is often there to kind of close around the vagina and it sort of plumps up during arousal. And it's this muscle here called bulbospongiosis, which sounds like a dinosaur or something. <laughs> Fabulous um, name. <laughs> lies right over the top of the clitoral bulbs because we know that the clitoris is this is the tip of the iceberg yep. yeah yes and then we've got the bulbs which wrap around the entrance mm -hmm. of the vagina and then the legs which come out the side too so these muscles here will engorge during arousal and then they provide sensation as well so they these often are quite overactive in those who have painful penetrative sex mm. um, and can be quite tender to to touch but with orgasm, and orgasm is usually a rhythmic contract and relax of our pelvic floor muscles, plus or minus maybe some uterine contraction too. Mm. So again, it's like any other muscle in the body. If you strengthen it up, the stronger the sensation in the orgasm is. Yeah. If it's quite weak, like some people like after having a baby might say, oh, it just doesn't feel, can't feel much. Yeah. Um, okay. But then when we work on their pelvic floor, they get much more sensation and the nerve endings are happier and things like that. So so they play a role in pleasurable sex, but they also can contribute to pain during mm, sex and these mm. issues there too. So yeah, I've been increasingly hearing the term that like painful sex is common, but it's not actually normal. And I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't sound very good to me. I'm not no. enjoying this. And I, along with some of those other issues that I've experienced, painful sex is one of the things that I have also had to deal with quite a bit. You know, I eventually found out that it was being caused from some pelvic floor issues. But like, what are some of the other things that can kind of cause 
pain with sex so that we know like what we're looking for and what to kind of like rule out, I guess. Whenever somebody comes to me with painful sex, if they haven't come through their GP or a sexual health physician, I always really want them to have some swabs done because, you know, any infection or uh, UTI or STI or anything Mm -hmm. like that, we really want to rule out. And, you know, some of them can just sort of be rumbling along and not really causing any other symptoms. So really just want to rule out anything like that. The other thing that I would be asking about is about their periods. So if they're Mm -hmm. having pain with periods, Pain with periods is kind of normal, but we should be able to sort of get on with our day and take an over-the-counter medication if needed and then fine. But if it's disrupting your day-to-day life and you're having to take maybe time off work or it's a, you know, you're having to change how you live and it's really disruptive, then that is abnormal. So I would be sort of probing a little bit more into um, the possibility of things like endometriosis, which is a painful period syndrome. And painful sexes can can be one of the main symptoms of that. So um, I'd be asking a little bit about that too and whether they need referral into gynae. If all of that is clear, then I'd be looking at the pelvic floor. So it's really about, Mm. um, it's also uh, the bladder and the bowel. So if you have a really sensitive bladder, that can cause pain during finished sex. Uh, And also even IBS, if you're having a flare or like Mm. um, inflammatory bowel disease or something like that, that can, you know, obviously, as I said, they're really closely packed in there, so that can be quite painful too. So with all of that stuff, you can then get this underlying muscle spasm because any pain in the pelvis or even the abdomen or around the hips, our pelvic floor is going to often contract or want to guard and protect the area. Those muscles can become a source of pain themselves. So mm-hmm. during penetration or even during arousal, some, sometimes people get a bit of pain because those muscles are just like, you know, when you go to the gym and you work out your thighs or whatever, and then the next day it's like, if I prodded you on the thighs, that would be pretty sore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jump, jump off your seat. So I kind of use that analogy for your pelvic floor muscles. If they're just on all the time, they're going to get these this biochemical things going on that can trigger the nociceptors or the pain receptors. Right. Um, and then it can sort of set up a almost like a, a vicious cycle because your body then learns and your brain learns that penetrative sex is painful so then the next time you are becoming intimate and it's heading that way before you even know your brain is starting to be like oh this is you know this is going to be sore so I'm going to contract I'm going to close off the pelvic floor and like shut up shop and nobody's allowed Uh. and then you kind of you know, then you're going to cause painful sex and things like that. So it's sort of, it can be a sort of never ending cycle if not addressed. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know all about that one, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, oh, this is why I think it's so important that we do get education about this upfront. Mm. Like even seeing the model that you have and actually understanding how close everything yeah. is to each other and how connected it is. Because of course you can hear it, but until you really see it like that, like when I went to my first physio appointment, I just left elated because I was like, I actually feel like now I understand and I'm going to be able to make the right changes yeah. to do something. And I was like, everyone has to do this. Everyone <laughs> should should have an opportunity to have these discussions yeah. and actually learn it. And I'd already been working in like the sex toy industry and I'm doing a sex educator certification at the moment. And so I was like, I feel like I know some stuff. But going in, yeah. I was like, this is actually just beyond anything that I can, I think, like read about or learn about. Actually seeing it just makes a world of difference to me so I hope that people that are listening will if they're having problems they'll go and see someone too yeah yeah so if you are someone like me that's working through having painful sex and penetrative sex isn't obviously the be all and end all of everything but there are some times that it's just a nice thing to be able to do and that I would like (laughs) to do with my partner so for us 
We use a bumper sometimes, which prevents um, the depth of penetration, so helps to keep it quite shallow, which is quite nice for us. And obviously, like a whole lot of silicon lube. Uber lube is my favorite. But what are some of the things that you like recommend to people that are experiencing it but still want to be able to have penetrative sex? Yeah, I recommend to different things to different people because mm, you know true. sex is so subjective yeah. and different for everyone. I often have I really like it when partners come in because I'm like this takes two to tango yes. and we all need to be on the same page here. So I might um, particularly in the younger groups get the partners in and just talk about how penetrative sex is uh, nice to have but not yeah. a you know shouldn't be the the aim for mm-hmm. success a successful sex session yeah. you know <laughs> particularly and I'll talk through the anatomy of the female clitoris and how a lot of people with vaginas don't actually orgasm purely from penetration alone yeah. and then mm. that that can kind of change the aim of the whole situation yeah. which can be quite helpful but then I'd be taking it also into account so particularly in the post natal or breastfeeding population and the postmenopausal or older population that have gone through menopause, we've got a hormonal level going on that can contribute to pain during sex. So I might be speaking to them about going to their GP to get a prescription for estrogen cream, which can be really helpful for like dry, irritable vaginas. Um, So that's something that I recommend if someone's in a low estrogen state. What's the bumper called that you use? Is the the O-nut? I don't have the O-nut. That was the one that I wanted, but we didn't didn't have that in stock when I I got one. So it's actually designed for anal sex. So it's targeted heavily at gay men. I can't remember what the brand name is though. It's the black and yellow box. But it's got it's it's got two parts. Oh, perfect fit. So there's two parts. So one is like the donut okay. ring and then one is a thicker base. So the scrotum can also go through it as well. Um, so it's okay. quite... I've not seen it. It's quite a chunky. You might have to see me one. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I definitely will. Um, but yeah, it's like, so it's chunky. You can use one bit or both bits at a time. We tend to use one or the other because it, you do feel Swallow. it there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the O-nut, I guess, is a, is a similar thing like that. It's yeah. these silicon rings, mm. and you can stack them to make it thicker so that if it's penis and vagina sex, then, the, yeah, it's a bumper, so it stops the penis from going mm. really deep. But the person with the penis has that sensation around the whole shaft, mm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, and the O-nut's quite pretty. You can get, like, rainbow colours. That's the one I well. wanted. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> and then I we use vaginal dilators. Do you stop mm. them? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, which is they're basically trainers. I like I prefer to call them trainers sometimes mm. because um, we're not wanting to really like physically dilate the vagina because <laughs> it is a stretchy organ. It's more about training the muscles to well, what to do when there is penetration. Mm. So that is something that I will you know speak about in the first appointment with most people that come to me right. with painful sex. Some people are ready to dive straight into them. Then some people we need to ease into it a little bit more because right. they are these you know penis shaped things that you're showing to them. Yes, um, yeah. which that go up in size, and it's a gradual progression through the sizes with lots of tips and tricks on how to use it and do it. We stock a, a vibrating dilator set, which I really oh, like, nice. and I cool. um, I find the vibration for some people can be quite good for pain. I don't really know that why that is, but I think that I have a theory, and in, in that the vibration vibration is quite a so- strong sensation, right, anywhere in your body. Yeah. Um, and I think that for a lot of people, that it kind of drowns out the pain signals, so it allows that them to sense. do more. Yeah, right. um, well, with a bigger object and stuff like yeah. that. We also stock like slimline vibrators, so. Um, so just like those really skinny ones that are um, long and they can yeah. um, they can even do a bit of internal pelvic floor muscle release work with it themselves. Mm, true. Um, yeah, lots of lube. I love Uber lube too. We just, yeah. Yeah, we're just having a bit of trouble because 
because we um because they keep smashing in the in the courier driver oh, oh no. no yeah that's the worst I do customer service and whenever that happens I'm like oh, waste of good lube yeah I know I know and also like so slippery all of the packages that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the main issue just not being able yeah. to touch anything else hold it in your hands courier drivers slipping yeah everywhere. so we're currently <laughs> trying to find another another brand that's not glass but yes good lube is yeah. worth its weight in, in gold and mm, like with the uber lube you know, like if you just buy the, I don't want to name any brands, but um, <laughs> if you buy like ones from the supermarket, you're often just yeah. like squirting at like half a container everywhere and then you, <laughs> yeah. it's like 15 bucks per session. <laughs> Whereas with the Uber Lube, you're kind of just using a little a little bit and a little goes a long way yeah. and you're actually saving money. So yeah. um, I always suggest that, yeah. And it looks really nice as well. I like that one because it's actually quite like non-confronting for a lubricant. Some of them, the design, it's just hideous in your face. And it's just like, can we just have pretty nice stuff that I can just leave by the bed? Yeah, the Uber Lube I love next to the the table. It's quite cool. I was literally taking a picture because I just like put some new art that I got on my like nightstand and I had a little plant and some candles and I was like taking a photo and the Uber Lube's in there and I was like, you know, it kind of adds to it. Yeah. Adds a bit of (laughs) regalness, I don't know, for me in my opinion. So do you think that there's anything that we've like missed out of our questions that you think is important for people to know about or hear about? Yeah, I think it's just really important to see a pelvic floor physio if you're having any issues with sex or bladder or bowels. Um, it's always a good idea to see your GP as well, just to um, have any tests. And as I said before, if you're not happy with the treatment that they're giving you, mm. then go and see somebody else. Yeah, I think it's important not to sugarcoat or it's really easy to feel embarrassed. But, you yeah. know, as health professionals, we hear and see all of this stuff all the time and there's no need and we you know, to me, I look at vaginas all day, every day. And as soon as you <laughs> walked out the door, I've forgotten what yours look like, looks yeah. like. And it's just like looking at a knee for me. So like, yeah. don't, you know, try not to be embarrassed. Really just tell us everything that's going on because there's nothing, nothing will shock us anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, as I said before, like just, you know, buying stuff yourself without having an assessment can possibly make things worse. Yeah. So if you, if you are doing some things by yourself and things aren't getting better or they're getting worse, then just stop that and go see a physio. Awesome. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, honestly. When I went, I was just like life-changing, absolutely life-changing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know that all of our listeners are going to be like taking notes. I'm happy that this is being recorded so I didn't have to take notes in person. No problem. It's been fun. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so much, (laughs) Caitlin. You've been listening to the Electric Rodeo podcast by Adult Toy Megastore. Follow Electric Rodeo free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to keep up to date with our bucket list progress, follow at Electric Rodeo Podcast on Instagram.